Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Glory to God. I am ready to preach this. Y'all want it? This thing is doing something in me. It's, it's changed my prayer life. It's changed everything about what I do. Um, there's a great scripture over there when I started. Uh, I wanted to move on to another message, and the Holy Spirit said, no, we're not done yet. So he gave me this scripture last week at work. It's 2 Peter 2.9. I don't have it on the screen, but I'm going to just say it in your hearing, and you can put it in your notes. 2 Timothy 2 and 9. It says this, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. I heard that, and I was like, wow, that's, that's what we've been talking about, right? That the Lord knows how to deliver you. Now, I got to break that down just a little bit if you've got a little patience with me. See, the Bible says that the Lord knows how to deliver you. Since the Lord knows how to deliver, maybe the amount of time it takes to be delivered in your time frame might be different than, than God's time frame because you might be in there for a week and, and you say, God, wait, hold on now. I've been in here, but maybe that week is not his time. Because the Lord knows how to deliver you out of temptation. And since the Lord knows how to deliver you, he also knows how long to keep you in it. Uh-huh. Just as God knows how to deliver Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, he knew how to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. Therefore, he knows, saints of God, how to rescue us as well. Now, as if the miracle of being able uh, to, to withstand the heat of the furnace or uh, having been loosed, their bands loosed in the fiery furnace, or the ability to walk around unscathed in the fire, if that was not a miracle enough, let me tell you something that really blessed my heart. One of the most powerful miracles that I saw in the scriptures with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I believe, happened when they got out of the fire. And let me show you what I mean. We can find it in Daniel chapter 3, verse 27, the B clause, the B clause. And it said, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. I want to talk about three things I want us to notice about this verse right here. The first thing that I want us to notice is this. The fire had no effect on their bodies. Now, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, the book of Hebrews is, is like a hall of fame of faith. It talks about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It says that by faith, we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. By faith. And then it goes into different men and women of God who stood faithful. It talked about faithful Abraham. It, it, it talks about the faith of Daniel. It talks about the faith of David. It talks about the faith of Moses. It just gives you a whole laundry list of people who stood on the faith that what God said, he will perform it. Now, now there was a, another little small verse there. It's five little words uh, in verse 34. And it said, by faith, they quench the violence of fire. 
Well, when I began to look at that, it had a little reference note in my Bible that took me back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they quenched the violence of fire. It was referring to these three men who stood in faith. So first of all, saints of God, when you're in the fire, you got to have some faith. You got to, matter of fact, I think your faith is perfected in the fire. <laughs> if you didn't have any when you went in, you'll get some while you went there. Especially when you thought you were supposed to be in for two days and it's been 20 years. And you're still dealing with the same mess, right? And so you've got to have some faith. I'm telling you, you're going to have to have some faith to do great things for God. And your faith is only activated by change. You don't need faith if you remain the same. See, see, the disciples, they were in the boat, and the Bible says they were toiling in their rowing. You know what that means? They were going in circles. Even though they had activity, they had no accomplishment. There are a lot of people doing stuff. They moving. They, they think they're shakers, but they ain't doing anything. They got activity, but no accomplishment. There are people who serve in churches. They're just doing. They're just busy. They're doing it. I got to take care of this. I'm in that ministry. I'm in this ministry. But are you growing in God? Because the Lord said, many shall in that day say, Lord, Lord, we did all these great things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, you, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. I don't want God to ever say that about me. So I'm saying you can get caught up in the works of the Lord and not understand the grace of God. Because the grace of God won't send you where, where the anointing of God can't keep you. So if you get burned out, that means your grace ran out. It was time for you to get out in the first place. And so you got to understand your body. You got to understand what you can and cannot do. You just can't keep serving and serving and serving without re-energizing your body. You just can't keep giving. It's just like you got a checking account. If you keep writing checks and don't make any deposit, before long it's going to be insufficient funds. You just can't keep doing all that stuff and then you don't come to church to get refreshed, don't read your word, don't worship, don't pray. And then you're trying to figure out why I don't have any energy. Why am I not refreshed? You're not doing the things to refresh you. You don't read the love letters that God gave you to tell you how awesome you are, how bad you are. From Genesis to Revelation, I called you. I blessed you. I got good things for you. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to become the sons of God. If you don't read the love letters, you won't know what's in the will for you. You have a great inheritance, but if you don't sit down to read the will, you won't even know what's yours. And you'll be walking around acting broke when you're rich. Sometimes when we go through stuff, God has a plan in it. Check this out. If God does not deliver you from the fire, he will make you fireproof in it. See, a fireman, they wear fireproof clothes. Uh, uh, when you wear that fireproof retardant clothes, it, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be in the fire. It just means that if you have to go in the fire, that you'll be protected from the fire. See, there's something in the Bible called the garment of praise. And the garment of praise, you put it on. I call that the fireproof garment because that garment says, no matter what comes, I'm going to praise you. 
I know I'm broke and I got to pay that bill, but I praise you anyway. <laughs> I know they just laid me off. And on the way home, I'm praising you. Because God, I have something better for you. Amen. And you was complaining about the job in the first place. So praise God. <laughs> you ain't like them folks no way. <laughs> you're, you're a living witness. Aren't you? <laughs> See, but you had to go through that fire so that when you got out on the other side, you understood some things. Amen. So, so, so listen, saints of God. We, because we are Christians, are not exempt from going through stuff. Just because you say sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and can speak in tongues and shout around the church don't mean that you are somehow exempt from going through tough times. Uh, I believe if Jesus had to go through tough times, uh, we, we are too. And, and, and since we're followers of Christ and he said that they persecuted me, so they're going to persecute you then we should not be surprised that the culture and government and people who are ungodly persecute the church. It should not be a surprise because anytime you want to stand for truth, there's going to be an upheaval of the lie. See, let me, let me just clear this up. There is no gray with God. With God is either godly, ungodly. Is he the holy? Unholy. Is he the truth? Or is a lie? It, it, it is no like being a little pregnant. Oh, it's Karina. <laughs> Karina is not a little pregnant. She's way pregnant, right? The little man just having a good time on the inside. He don't want to come out and see the world. But praise God, we're just going to declare a little man got to come on out of here. We want to see him. Praise God. <laughs> Karina said, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So it's time for a little man to come out, right? But when, when, when Justin and Karina found out that they, that they were pregnant, when it said yes, they weren't a little pregnant. Even though her stomach wasn't the size it is. So what, what I'm saying here, saints of God, you are either or. You can't be both. You are either a Christian or you're not. You are either a follower of Christ or you're not. You either believe his word or you don't. This book is absolute or is obsolete. There's no gray with God. I don't just believe some of the pages in this book. I believe every jot, every tittle was spoken by God and men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And the reason I can believe this book is because of the prophecies that have already come to pass, some 300 prophecies on the day he was crucified. I believe it because Isaiah said seven, almost 700 years before Jesus ever came on the scene, Isaiah said there's coming a day when the culture will call good evil and evil good. We are living in that culture. Now if you stand for what's right, oh, you narrow-minded. You need to be a little more diverse. And how you think. No, I don't either. I, 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 I like you, but I, I don't have to accept what you do. Listen, and I refute the gospel messages of these preachers who claim God loves you in spite of what you do. He's going to love you, but you're going to have to change. I love my children, but I don't agree with everything they do. Why would God be any different? 
Now, his love is unconditional. But just because he loves you don't mean that he accepts everything that we do. Now, that's the gospel truth. Hello? Yeah, I know. See, the gospel message makes people quiet. I know it. <laughs> Amen. So listen, what I'm getting here, saints of God, is this. There can't be any mixture in the house of God. And we're mixing too many things and we're calling it Christian. Everything that glitters ain't God. Everything that's big is not God. Everything that's small is not God. You have to know when God is in something and when he's not. And the only way you're going to know that is by a discerning spirit. People can put on for 30 minutes on TV. You don't know those people. We've been, we've been behind the scenes on some of these people TV. We know what they act like, but when the cameras are off. And you would be, you'd be like, what? They cuss more than I did when I came out of the Marines. And they on TV, bro, bless, bless God, send me $100. As soon as the camera goes off, they smoking cigars, cussing, drinking. I'm just telling you guys. Not, not all of them, but some of them. So that's why you got to have a local church. You can't have Bedside Baptist. I'm going to have church at home. You don't know those people. You're going to have church with yourself. How you fellowshipping? You can't fellowship with yourself. The Bible says it like this in Hebrews. He said, don't forsake it. And if you forsake it, that means you're going against God. Now, granted, the people been heard at churches. Listen, I know. There's some mess in churches. It's a mess in this one. And you know why? We got messy people. Hey, anytime you got people, you got mess. Anytime you got sheep, you got... <laughs> dong. Right? The more sheep you got, the more dong you got to deal with, right? <laughs> I just happen to be one of them pastors I ain't going to cuss. <laughs> Amen. And so you just got to deal with it, right? There are no perfect churches. We are, we are full of fatally flawed people, even the pastor. I got issues too. I'm not a perfect guy. I'm going to make mistakes. But listen, I, and I, don't, I don't want to marginalize church hurt at all because it's significant, and it has caused people not to even go back to church in a while. But don't let, listen to me close. Don't let some pastor or some church person who don't even know who you are in the first place stop you from getting what God has for you. And at some point, you got to stop blaming other people and take responsibility and move on. Can somebody say amen? amen. See, see, when you're in that fire, God will give you fireproof if you just put on the right garments. You just praise him in the midst of it. Check this out. Let me give you a scripture here. You ready? Psalm 34, 19. This is, this is, I hope this blesses you. Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm relatively kind of smart, I believe, but you guys can judge this. I, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that all is larger than many. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the sharpest knife in the in the set, but I believe that all is greater than many. Let me say that one more time. I believe all flick afflictions is greater. 
I mean, I'm sorry, I meant all that God can deliver you out of all of your afflictions is greater than the many afflictions that you have. Yeah. Right? That's what I meant to say. I'm sorry. So, so God's all is greater than your many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them So now, either God is a liar or he's telling the truth. And if he's telling the truth, it doesn't matter how many afflictions that you get into. God says he delivers you out of them I'm trying to encourage you here. Because we do go through afflictions. We do go through situations. We do go through church hurt. We do go through divorce. We do go through our kids on crack. We do go through challenges in our bodies with sickness and disease. We go through those things. We do go through layoffs. We do go through businesses failing. We go through those things. Those are the many afflictions, but God says he delivers you out of them. So I don't focus on the many. I focus on God's all. I have failed at times, but I'm going to try it again. You fail at that business, pick yourself up. Try another business. Hello, somebody. Can I encourage somebody in here this morning? We got to take full responsibility for where we are. Stop blaming our past and stop blaming when my daddy wasn't around and my mama wasn't around. Listen, they gave you what they could. They couldn't give you what they didn't have in the first place. But when are we going to take responsibility and stop blaming them for the dysfunctional life you're living now? If you're dysfunctional, you're dysfunctional because of the decisions and the choices you make. Nobody else is responsible for that. So we have to take, somebody say take responsibility. All right, I know y'all ready for me to move on to the next one. I saw your face. (laughs) I had that written down, but I wanted to tell you anyway. You can put that one on Facebook. All right. All right, check this out. The devil can never take you where the grace of God can't find you. I think this is vitally important because sometimes people say, Pastor, you just, <laughs> you just don't understand where I am in the Lord. It don't matter because God knows exactly where you are. Amen. Well, Pastor, you don't know I, I said this or I did that. It does not matter. All I know is God have already found you. Found you when you did it. He was looking at you while you did it. it now, see, that's, oh, let me take my coat off on that one, see, because that one right there kind of got me. Because um, as a pastor, sometime on the job, and, and some people know that I'm a pastor, so they tend to um, straighten up when I come around, if y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. They might be cussing. As soon as I come in the room, they go, oh, hey, 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 that's, uh, yeah, hey, pastor. <laughs> now, bro, I'm just here for a job. I'm working. I'm John. And by the way, I can't save you. But the person who can already heard you cussing. So I clean it up for him. Don't be changing for me. You got to change for him. Y'all know what I'm talking about here? So when (laughs) the Bible says, or my quote says, the devil can never take you where the grace of God cannot find you. It, It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. This is the message of hope. This is the message of love. It doesn't matter what you have done as long as you try to do something different. Hello. Let me see if I can. um, The gospel message 
is not just an inclusive affirmational message. This is what the other community want to say. They say that the church says, come as you are. Uh, they say that the Bible says, come as you are. But you show me what is in the Bible. The gospel does not say, come as you are so you can stay as you are. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not affirmational to just affirm you in your sins. The gospel message is transformational, which means come as you are so that the Holy Spirit can transform you into what God has called you to do. Now, that's the complete gospel. Are all welcome? Yes, of course. God's arms are open to all. It doesn't matter what, what kind of lifestyle you're living right now. God's arms are open, but he's requiring us to change. Be the same for any fornicator, a liar, or a thief that comes into the house of the Lord. Sin is sin. I don't want no thieves up in the church with me anyway. I'll be preaching like this. I'll be... And the Lord said, I'll be holding on to my wallet. As soon as I go by Richard, I hold my wallet. <laughs> no, I don't want to be about a bunch of things. You can't even put your purse down on the seat in the pews. Because you're looking. Oh, I heard about you. <laughs> hey, man, you don't want to deal with that kind of mess. Right? We don't Listen, and that's if you knew about it. Thank you. So, so listen. So if you if you a born again thief, you need to stop stealing. <laughs> I used to take stuff. <laughs> I'm born again now, though. Praise God. Come on now. Come on now. Listen, listen. How many of you guys grew up in the hood? Let me get off topic for a second, and we can cut this out of the podcast, but uh, how many of you guys grew up, you grew up, you know, inner city, maybe hardcore, may not be the ghetto, but you know, it's tough, right? You're going to tell me you never stole anything. You in church. You're going to say, you hanging out with your boy, you're going to tell me you never went to the local drugstore and just having to pocket something, and you walk out. And you, ain't, you don't even look at nobody. You just walk out. <laughs> Somebody say amen up in here. <laughs> you don't even look at the attendant. That brother over there, that brother, you walking. <laughs> amen. So I understand. I know that stuff wasn't mine, but they didn't need it. Amen. <laughs> so I'm a born again thief. Praise God. I don't steal anymore. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a giver now. Hallelujah. I stole her heart. That was it. That was the last one. <laughs> that was it, right? So the first thing, guys, did you see that? The first thing, the first, the first thing that we notice here, because I got to give you the second one. The first thing that we notice here is the fire had no effect on their bodies. They were walking around in the fiery furnace. Listen, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It does not belong to you anymore. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're not saved, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person who has received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. At that moment, your body don't belong to you. 
Jesus paid the price for your body. That body is his. So listen, you can't take that body and do what you want to do with it because you think it's yours. It don't belong to you anymore. Okay, let me go a little bit deeper since you didn't give me a good amen. So, so listen, that body that you live in right now, you can't take that body and you're not married and you go fornicate and then you say, God, I love you. Because you just took that body that don't belong to you to do something that Jesus wouldn't do in the first place. Are y'all going to talk to me today? See, when we start talking about that lifestyle change, that's when churches, they say, yeah, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know about that, that lifestyle stuff. Then when you start legislating my lifestyle, I might have to go. Well, that's what you need. You need this kind of preaching because you need to change that dysfunctional lifestyle. As a matter of fact, let me go a little bit deeper. When you got married, the Bible says that my body belongs to her and her body belongs to me. I can't take my body and do what I want to do with it. It's not even mine. I had to tell a woman, uh, you want to do something with me? Here, let me give, me, give you my wife's phone number. Because you got to ask her. My body don't belong to me. It's hers. And, and if she says, okay, and by the time she finished dragging you around this city, you'll probably get saved. Can the lady say amen? Amen. <laughs> ain't, boy, that was loud, wasn't it, bro? That was <laughs> Women don't be playing, boy. Women say, I might be saved, but I'll jack you up over my husband. <laughs> I'll be dragging your rear end to the altar. <laughs> hey, the song said, let all the altar. There you go, Lord. Come here, let me fix your face. Let me get that blood off of you. The Bible did say, bring a blood sacrifice up in here. <laughs> Praise God. Y'all want number two? <laughs> the first one, the fire had no effect on their bodies. Th these bodies don't belong to us anymore. They belong to God. You got to go to God and ask God what you can do with your body. And listen, single lady, where you at? I had two of them. Okay, so do I have more? How many? Raise your hand if you're single. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. All right. <laughs> Me y'all came out at the right time, boy. <laughs> Me y'all said, what y'all doing up in here? <laughs> okay. So do we have any single men? Where are the single men? One, two, three, four. Okay, four single men. Listen, listen, let me, let me, let me just say this. If you're a Christian... You're supposed to guard your heart before your heart is given to somebody. And this, this is what I mean by this, because I know it's difficult. Listen, I am not trying to make light of anything that single people have to go through. I thank God I'm married. Come on, amen. Amen. Woo, I thank God I'm married. The stuff that single people have to go through, it, it's crazy. It's crazy nowadays. You, people act right at dinner, and then, man, they, they flip. Good God. You have somebody that's nice and sweet. She's Sabrina at dinner, but she becomes Sybil. <laughs> See, you got to be a little older to understand Sybil. The young folks in here don't even know what I'm talking about. Just go Google it. Google the movie Sybil. Like but, but, but that's about 30 something years ago, then. No, but she has like 30. Uh, Sybil. Yeah, Sybil. Sybil, switch. 
So we'll be laughing at you. Just say, I kill you. I mean, Sybil was. <laughs> well, I ain't trying to make light of schizophrenia. I mean, that's a real disease. But I'm just saying, you, you know, single people got to be careful. I'm trying to create a kit. It's a Dana kit. So when you go out now, you got to say, come here, let me prick your finger. And you put that blood in that Dana kit. So that, that DNA, that Dana, <laughs> I tell you, you know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, I've seen some pretty ones. <laughs> I ain't lying, I'm telling you, I've seen some pretty ones. You can't tell. You cannot tell. So now you have to be very careful as a single person. Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying you just have to be careful. You just have to be careful. Right? Now listen. Listen to me close here. I'm, I'm not trying to talk bad about any community. I'm just saying this is the reality of what we're dealing with today. And I just happen to be one to stand flat-footed and talk about it. And I'm not scared of nobody. Either I'm going to preach the gospel or I'm going to close the church. And the moment we become, we become scared to share the gospel message with people, even if they don't believe it, you tell them anyway. That's what's required of us, young folks. Stand for God. Everybody's not going to believe it, but you might get that one. And heaven will be rejoicing for that one that gets up, that, that says, you know what, you're right. Because there is absolute truth. And any atheist come up to you and say, there's no absolute truth. You ask him this one question. Are you sure? Is that true? Amen. See, you see, you see, you see that? You got him. Yeah, right, Pastor, I'm an atheist. I don't believe there's any absolute truth. Is that true? Because if it's true, that's an absolute. If it's not true, you're lost. You don't have to be smart. You just need to know the gospel. The Bible says that I will give you a mouth. He said in wisdom that not even your enemies would be able to gainsay and resist. In other words, God said, I'll put something in your mouth. When you speak it to them, they're going to get dumbfounded because they don't even know how to respond. If you just rely on the Holy Ghost. Hello. Okay. All right. Their hair was not singed and the garments were not affected. See, they were in a fire, saints of God. Let me give you the scripture here. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. No weapon or instrument of persecution that the enemy uses will have success. Let me just say that one more time. The Bible did not say that the weapon would not be formed. It said that the weapon will not be successful. Saints, you might have to see it. You might have to experience it. You might have to go through it. The dart might hit you. You might feel it. Mm. But it's not going to be successful. If you just trust God with it, that weapon that the enemy uses will always be quenched. So think back now. Think back of some times when you've been through some stuff. 
And at that time, you said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And then God brought you out. And then you went into something else. Mm-hmm. And then you go, man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess. And then God brought you out. And then you went into something else, right? That's a pattern. It's the pattern of God. It doesn't change for anybody. Why? Because God, what? He gives you a promise. I've said this before. Let me say it again. God gives you a promise. That promise is going to be based on principles. Those principles are going to be learned through a problem. And once you learn the principles and the problem, you move into your provision. I want God to give me the promise and the principles, and then I can kind of like skirt around that problem and go right on into my promotion. Amen. I think I think most of us are like that. Right. But listen, if he give you the promotion before you learn the principles and the problem, then when you get the promotion, you won't know how to handle it because you think you did it. Ain't not God. Did I say that too fast? So you're going to have to listen fast. I got to talk fast. I got to get you out of here. You got to learn the principles, and you're not going to learn the principles unless God gives you some homework. See, it's just like a professor. The professor gives you a syllabus, and he says you got to go purchase a book. It's a book. It has covers. It has pages in it. It's a book. Somebody say book. The the, the professor gets up and says, hey, this is the class. This is what we're going to learn. Listen, students, at the end of the course, there's going to be a test. But if you open the book and if you do the work that's required, you won't have any problem passing the test. God says to you, Christian, there is a test. And God is the professor. He says, if you open the book and study the book, if you study the book, you can pass the test. The problem with the most Christians, they don't in the book. They don't study the book. So when they got to take a test, they fail. And the pastors are trying to get you to open the book because God says it's an open book test. How you fail an open book test? All you got to do is Get off of Facebook and put your face in this book so you can pass the test. Say amen, somebody. You just open the book. The Lord gave me another book because my book is going to be out mid-November. We're, we're getting there, man. Things are shaping up real good, and uh, my uh, publisher is... Uh, she ran into a snag, so I was, th- I was thinking it was going to be November the 1st, but it looked like it might be November the 14th when we release it, uh, because I would rather have it done right than have it done fast, because this book is going to bless the nation, so I want to make sure that it's done right. And so my publisher wanted to change some things around, and, and, and I said, do what you got to do. I don't care, because when, it, when it's released, I know it's going to be a blessing to people. So the Lord gave me another book yet, uh, last week. It said, this psalm is for you. And, and, and see, everything that you go through in your life, there's a psalm for it. And so it's going to be a little devotional book that this psalm is for you. Hey, if you're feeling pain, this psalm is for you. If you're feeling weak, this psalm, don't y'all take my book title. <laughs> hey, write that down. Put copyright at the bottom of it so that's my stuff. Nope. And I take my stuff, you know, right? Right? This psalm is for you. Listen, if you need to be comforted, this psalm is for you. There's something in the psalm about everything that we go through. And sometimes you just need to open the book and see what's yours. Amen? Amen. 
I don't mean to get loud and preachy on you, but I'm just saying everything that we go through, man, if we read that Bible, God will give us the fortitude. He'll give us the strength that we need, even though we might be in the midst of the fiery furnace. And I believe, mm, I believe there's some people right here right now, you're in the middle of something, and it ain't something small either. You're in the middle of something that probably would have broke most people. But you're in it, and you know you're in it. And, and you've been praying to get out of it. But I came to tell you, it ain't time. The mere fact that you're still in it means you ain't, ain't ready yet. Because God's timing will pull you out when you're ready. And you might just be a gold Christian, and you have to stay in the crucible a little bit longer. Because maybe the blessing that God wants to give you is so great that he has to keep you in there to get some of those impurities out of it. Maybe. Maybe, listen here, this is what Job said. Job said in 23.10, he said, But the Lord knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Wow. The Lord knows, guys. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows every time you go to bed at night and a tear fall from this eye into the other eye because you've cried yourself to sleep. He knows every tear I cried. And they said, real men, they don't cry. I'm going to tell you, real men do. Uh, Maybe you hadn't been hurt (laughs) enough. (laughs) But when you've been hurt, when you're going through a serious, tumultuous time in your life, you're going through a sickness. I was strong as I was going through my cancer, but there were times when I was like, boy, oh, boy. Sometimes I got tired. But I never stopped preaching. Every Sunday I drove, every Friday I drove from Atlanta, Georgia, because that's where I got my treatments. I had to move there, and this church knows every Sunday I was in this pulpit. And every Monday I drive back to Atlanta. You know why? God was training me. And I can't teach faith if I don't know how to live it myself. And I'm here to tell you that God is no respecter of person. If God did it for me, he'll do it for you. And all you have to do is just take a stand and knowing that no weapon that's formed against me shall be able to prosper. And you just stand. And the Bible says, wouldn't you stand? Stand, therefore. Just stand, saints of God. Sometimes we got to quit moving around and trying to do stuff and just listen. Get quiet. Let the Lord download something to you. Hello, somebody. All right, let me give you this last point because I got to get you out of here. All right, so their hair was not singed and their garments were not affected. God was with them in the middle of the fire. But let me tell you something. This is the last one right here. This, This is the most powerful one. They didn't smell like smoke. This one right here is powerful because there comes a time for us to release the smell of what we've been through. Let me say that one more time. (laughs) There comes a time when we have to release the smell of what we have been through. See, they did not smell like smoke. That is like uh, somebody abused you when you were younger, but you haven't forgiven them and you haven't forgiven yourself yet. You still smell like smoke. (coughs) And you're trying to figure out why you can't move forward in your spirit is because of unforgiveness. 
Now, unforgiveness is like you drinking poison, but you're waiting for the other person to fall down dead. That was a pretty, that was a pretty good analogy, right? That metaphor hit home. You drink the poison, but you're waiting for the other person to fall down dead. That's what unforgiveness is. It's a poison. Unforgiveness is a poison. It, it's like bitterness that'll get down in your spirit, and it'll become a root, right? So when you forgive a person who hurt you, that forgiveness is not for them. It's so that you can be released from it, so that you can be free from the shame and the hurt and being violated. You have to be free. But if you haven't done that, you smell like smoke. You've been hurt from a church. Pastor, church people, you've been hurt. And guess what you do? You go to the next church, and then you size that church by the last church. And then you start looking for people that look like the person who hurt you in the last church. And if they look like the person who hurt you in the last church, you avoid them. You smell like smoke. And you'll never be able to capitalize on your future because you still smell like your past. The Bible said when they came out, they didn't smell like they were in something. You know what that means, saints of God? That when you come out, you come out praising God. Hello? Somebody been through a horrible divorce. And then God brings that person, a good man or a good woman, and they keep comparing the good man and the good woman to the bad man or the bad woman. You smell like smoke. You're not over that person yet. Yeah, my husband used to do that. Well, that brother ain't your husband. He's a different man. And guess what? He ain't going to stay long if you got any sense. I ain't lying. I ain't going to be compared to no other man. It's going to be me or nobody. Unless it's Jesus. And then I step back. Hello? So, so fellas, so fellas, let me, just add, let me just be honest here now, since we're dealing in truth, fellas, even if God says married, if your wife, let's just say that even if your wife didn't have another husband before, but let's just say she did, and you married now, and they keep bringing up the ex-husband, how would that make you feel? Yeah, right? You ain't want to hear that mess? Why are you bringing him up? Right? That's going to be a fight. That's right? So, so she still smell like smoke. Yeah, you ain't delivering. <laughs> so, so you smell like smoke. So, so that means you've allowed the things that you've been through in your past to smother and suffocate your future. Smoke. Let me tell you how vicious smoke is. There was a time when you can smoke on airplanes. That was a long time ago. Now, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I went to school to get my education is actually in aviation. It's not even in banking and what I'm in. And so I, my first job when I got my degree was we, we bought passenger planes, old passenger planes for FedEx, and we were converting them into cargo planes to ship packages. Well, the planes we bought were planes where people smoked. Let me tell you something. We had to put on blue suits, rubber gloves, masks, Everything, because when we pull those panels down, all this black, nasty, tar-looking stuff would drip all on your head, and it's sticky, it's stinky. That, that was from cigarette smoke. 
And, and when you, 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 you cover up with those garments and stuff, but when you go home, you say, good God, man, I stink. Why? Because I smelled like where I just came. Come on. Come on. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me, let me give you another example. You, 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 before, you, you know, you can smoke in businesses. And in some places when you go in the cut, and you got to get some gas in the cut, there'll be some businesses they still smoke in. Right? Y'all know the cut, right? I'm sorry, I just got ghetto on my bad. <laughs> the cut is a place, you know, you wouldn't normally be in, but because you got to get gas, you stop and you're looking. So they in there smoking. You don't smoke. You walk in, pay for your gas, and walk out. But when you come out, you go, good God Almighty. Why? You, you smell like where you just came from. It's all in your clothes. It doesn't. Hmm. I wonder how many people in the church right now would be honest enough to say they smell like smoke. That the stuff that they've been through has really suffocated them to keep from capitalizing on what God has for you. I'll give you another example. This is the last one. I work at the chicken plant. I'm a chaplain out there at, at Pilgrims, and they do chickens. The plant, it, it doesn't smell like potpourri. It's, 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 it's the, the chickens. Now, how many of you have passed by a chicken plant? I'm just talking about that they raise chickens. It, it's, it's, it's not like you go, mm, boy, that smells delicious. You don't do that, right? You don't do that. It's, it's a foul smell. Right? Okay. So I'm only at the plant. I'm a chaplain out there. I only go two hours a week at four o'clock in the morning. So I go out. I put my time in. I walk around the plant. You know, I'm still eating chicken, though. I'm walking around. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. I'll tear some chicken up. <laughs> I see them cutting. I'm like, little boy, mm -mm. boy, you put that in some grease right now, boy. I'll be ready. <laughs> so I still eat chicken. I see how they do it. I still eat it. So when I come home, you know, and I have all my stuff and all that other stuff, and but when I get home, first thing I do is what? I jump right in the shower. Why? Because I know I don't even want her to smell it. Because it gets in your clothes and your pores, and you smell like where you came from. The three Hebrew boys didn't smell like where they came from. That was the biggest blessing for me, because here's the deal. If you smell like where you came from, you make other people smell bad. Why? Because you're always talking about where you came from. I, I would go to church, but I can't go to them church folks. I ain't going in there with them church people. They, they don't really love you anyway. So you judging the whole universal church on one person. Well, I, 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 that pastor, I ain't going to. He hurt me. Well, you judge the whole group of pastors on one pastor. I don't think that's fair. And actually, I don't want to be compared to any other pastor. I'm John Lofton. I'm no other pastor. You won't find another pastor like me. Amen. I'm just being honest. Let me tell you why. Because there's only one John Lofton. Thank you, Jesus. You don't want another one up in here. I'm crazy. See, some of y'all, God broke the mold because you were perfect. He broke the mold because he said, I will never make another one like that again. 
That's John Lofton. That's the kind of pastor you have. I'm flawed. I got issues. But I love God with all of my heart. And the one thing I refuse to do, guys, is to take an experience that I've been through, and because it hurt me so bad, I preach out of hurt. And when a pastor preach out of hurt, he hurts people. I don't smell like smoke. That's why you can get a pure word from this ministry. And it's not because it's me. It's because this is what God has done. I just happen to be the one that's obedient. That's all. Don't, don't give me credit for that. That's all God's doing. And I give him the credit for that. Is that making sense at all? So listen, the greater thing that I want you to take away from this message is don't allow the talk. Ooh, man. Because I got to show you something with Apostle Paul. It's critical. Apostle Paul had to deal with some poison. And it's critical that we understand what can happen with a viper that the devil comes, sends your way, and what you need to do with it. Uh Right? Because we got to deal with the talk of other people. Because nobody can hurt you like other people who know you. Can somebody give him a praise in Jesus' name? We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.